Welcome to the Sober Heroes podcast. Um, we are celebrating male sobriety for the second series, and I'm very excited to have Craig with us, who I've been following on Instagram for a while now. He's sort of been my own inspiration as well in sobriety since I started seeing this whole Instagram community. So, very excited to talk about Craig and his um, background. I thought for <laughs> the majority of it, he was American. So I actually find out he's <laughs> Irish now as well, just like myself. So Craig, welcome. How, how are you doing? Thank you very much, Sean. Yeah, uh, I am Irish. I don't think I have any American relations whatsoever. <laughs> so. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, so let, let's just crack on. Let's just go into your sober story um, sure. and then we'll get up to sort of more of the time trial racing that you're doing at the moment, which looks yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah, sure. epic. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Cheers. Um, well, I suppose I'll take it back to the start. Like I always do, we'll be um, 13, uh, 12, 13. Um, actually, I remember it now really clearly my first, sort of, first drink and it was vodka. It was vodka, and we, the little group I was in chose vodka because uh, because uh, we heard the rumor that no one could smell vodka off your breath. <laughs> Do you know that sort of like, never mind that the sick all over your, your t shirt and yeah. the state you're gonna fall in, but no one will smell it like you know. Um, I just remember now, yeah, this, this is what we're talking about. And um, a couple of friends, nothing to it, you know, just sort of seeing our older friends doing it and then wanting to do it, but um. Yeah, graduating then into school and then it becoming more sort of um, more frequent, you know, with, with guys, you know, still still hiding it from the parents at, at, at that age, like 13 and um, 14, you know, first, second year in school, um, hiding it. I'm pretty sure they had an idea. I was about to say, yeah. I'm pretty sure parents had an idea because yeah. it, it was sort of like, for me personally, it was sort of accepted that, you could start going out and I yeah. felt like they sort of knew, but as long as you're in a group of friends, they didn't think yeah. it was as bad potentially. Yeah. I, that's, I think they, they said, well, as long as it's not you in a bush, you're okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> although, <laughs> although that ended up to me, I ended up yeah, calling yeah. them at like three o'clock in the morning. I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I, had, I had bushes scattered all over like Dublin. <laughs> you know, yeah. I could fall asleep in. Uh, I used to I used to actually try to have a little sleep after we like two drinks out, um, just to just to like sort of wear it off me, you know, and go home yeah. in some sort of reasonable state, you know. Um, but that just goes to show you the power of the of manipulation even at that age, you know, and and trying to hide it. Obviously, you're, you're still young, you want to hide it, but you know, to be that cunning about it. As well, it's, it's sort of what makes you graduate into someone that's um, that's that's always hiding, that's always hiding and, and hiding everything, emotions, responsibility, you know, um, anything that's that's gonna get in the way of what you think is is, is you just having fun, you know. Um, yeah, it, it graduated, it graduated through school and through you know through puberty and and. and going through various chapters in my life but always maintaining that um, vicious streak for drink you know and then the drugs came in and not only the drugs sort of sort of amplify anything everything or the, the feelings you were having and um, it also helped you drink for an awful lot longer 
you know, and all I really had to do was to say to my parents was, look, I'm going to, um, I know we're staying in the Yeah, fine. We, we live in a big, live in a big uh, county estate. And he was like, yeah, you're going across the road, but in his house, anything went, you know, it was, it was that sort of family. Like, yeah. And uh, and we would just be taking ease and, and you know, doing coke, probably, you know, whatever we'd get our hands on, basically. Um, and that was at 16. And I remember coming home one day, and my dad looking at me, and I had the, the red lips <laughs> and the pin, the, the pin eyes, and he's like, well, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. And um, me and my dad were quite close, and I, I, I used to—I think that way I was about sixteen, and I think I ended up having a few beers with him the following week or two weeks, and um, I started—I was drunk, so I came out and I said, "Look, I—I think he is." And he says, "I knew, I, I knew by looking at you." He says, but what can I do? You're, you're, you're 16 now, you know. Um, I don't know what he said. I was doing that at your age. He, he, he always tried to sort of keep that from me. But then uh, as we start drinking more and more together, I start learning more about him and, and his upbringing. Um, he, my dad, unfortunately, died of a heroin overdose at 46 now, five, five, five years ago. Um, and I'm... I'm pretty sure, you know, obviously he, he went through some light traumas and stuff like that. Um, I'm pretty sure drugs and drink masks his his trauma from us for many years, you know. Um, and then with me and him, then because we grew that we're closer, I was I started inheriting trauma from him, if you will, and then reproducing it as my own, and then you know, inflicting more trauma on the people that were close to me. My, my it's, it's strange because they, they yeah. do say that trauma can get passed down from generation to generation until that sort of chain gets broken. Um, yeah. oh, I do believe that. I do believe that. Um, but then obviously now the drink, the drink and the drugs, the party scene came alive then and it was foreign of Dublin 2009, 2010. And it was just recession, and the fucking pubs were just buzzing. Man. From tourist day to Sunday, pubs were buzzing. And just three drinks for a tenner, two years for a tenner. Coke, really, Coke wasn't really available um, because it was, it was COVID. It's, it's cocaine, it's, it's really quite a drug. Um, but the years were, were, were available, and everyone was taking them from you know, the barman to the singer. <laughs> oh, everyone was doing them, like, you know. And it just became my world. It just became somewhere where I just said, well, can't break up here. This is where I'm staying. Um, and the more I became comfortable in it, the more I started expressing myself um, in ways that, you know, would, would get me in trouble. But would also get me respect, maybe, or, or a few laughs off, off people around me. And it just lured me into a false sense of... of uh, security or you know uh safety it's, it's just it's it's weird the, the way it grows on you the drugs drinking drugs and how it, it manipulates you into thinking that you're everything's okay and from anyone looking in it's like jesus christ what's wrong with him but you're looking out and you're saying what's wrong with them why aren't they with us um, so just and that's yeah, so just to get some perspective around your sort of social networks yeah. growing up then, like, was it like a group of blokes is just sort of Both. gives... 
Both, both. Uh, but from an early age, from, from his, like the first two drinks I was talking about initially, that, that was with two girls. Me, uh, me, another bloke, and, and two girls that we were drinking together. And we, I, the group that we were in, there was always a big group of girls and a big group of lads. And we were all doing the same thing. We were all taking drugs. We were all and playing tones off our phone or, or music off our phone dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that, and that was it. That was what we done. And, you know, we would have the heartfelt emotional conversations as teenagers you do. I don't know. Um, a few of us, few of us were hooked like, as kids. And as, as someone that went through trauma myself, you seek out trauma in other people and you become comfortable um, and you let them be comfortable and you know it, it becomes a sort of junior counseling session in itself when you're out drinking as a kid with other people that have went through trauma um, similar to yours you know and, and you build up a bond and I build up a, a certain amount of trust with people you know um, and like you said it was girls and boys and, and, and that was that was the sort of thing that carried us through you know we, do you yeah. think that bond was sort of cemented together by the alcohol and the drugs as opposed to just having a chat? Ah, no, it was the trauma, the alcohol, alcohol and the drugs, you know. Um, like, that's what we do when we get drunk. We, we offload. Yep. Some people some people implode and, and go crazy. Um, other people offload and they talk about their, their various experiences. And they, they, I'm talking, Sean, as, as kids, like we were... 14, 15, learning things about their mates and their family and what they went through and they were learning stuff about me. You know, that I, I wouldn't feel comfortable talking about anyone else. Not, not, no teacher, no counsellor, no family member would I be able to talk to about stuff like that. Only my friends that I kept close to. But gradually, you know, as people do, when they learn too much about each other, it becomes destructive. You know, or in... It doesn't be you grow over and it doesn't become attractive and, and maybe people as they get older they don't want to revisit their conversations and um, like myself i didn't want to revisit many of them and i just went on a trail of destruction and i bounced around from group to group and um, always looking and, and seeking out the session and the people that would stay up the longest like i, I even right up to my last day of drinking I, I can remember being the one always last up. Like everyone would be going to bed and I'd be sitting down in the bottom. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting point because that's something I always used to chase was, it, it, looking back at it, it seems strange because I would just stay up until I physically couldn't really do anything yeah, more. Um, you go, go out on a Friday, but then you'd expect to stay up all the way through to Sunday before work yeah. on the Monday again. And did you think Alan was wrong with that though? No. Did you when you were doing it? No, this is the thing. Like you think, fuck it, this is fine. Like you know, somewhere in the deep, like because I've kids, um, and deep down in the pit of your stomach, you know, yeah, this isn't right. But it's a very small feeling compared to the the the, the buzz you're on. You know, it's uh, it's hidden away. But yeah, like you said, you're so oblivious to it, and and that's exactly what I was. I was oblivious to everything. You know. Um, like I said, me and my dad were good friends, and as I, the older I got, the more time I spent around him, the more sessions I went on with him. You know, he was an active drug user and, and alcoholic, and as well say, where the day he died, with various spades of, of, of sobriety and trying to get us stuff together, but never entering um, 
the program and and, uh, and inevitably failing or falling or relapsing um, a couple of weeks into it, you know. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it, the bond I had with him was really strong and um, it was very emotional sitting there talking to him, drinking and drugging with him um, some days. Very emotional. Um, seen an awful lot of pain in you know, and as a kid, you know, how do you deal with that, you know? Um, going through anger, and that's the way I dealt with it, you know? And anger became my first reaction to everything. Because of, not only because obviously what I was putting in, you know, I was down the neck, and how I was, what version of myself I was putting out in the world, um, and the repercussions of that. But it just, that just became my reaction, and, you know, when you, and, an aggressive reaction to anything that comes up in your life. You, you, what, what do you think you're going to get back? You're just going to get more fucking shy back. You know, you, you, you just, and it becomes that way of life. Like, this is normal. This is normal. You know, this is normal to be like this. And all the world, you're, you're, you're self medicating with drink and drugs just to keep you back up there, keep the edge on you. You know what I mean? Because sitting down and thinking about it and dwelling about the shit going wrong in your life. No prospects on the horizon. It's just far too strong an emotion. Do, do, do you find because I've I've found this the last couple of days that when anger comes up for me in sobriety, it's actual anger, and I can't go and drink or drug. But when I was drinking and drugging, I was using that to mask every emotion. By the end of it, yeah. So actually, yeah. by the end, and coming out was the toughest thing sober because it's like being a newborn baby. I'm getting all these emotions. Yeah. I'm like. What the hell's going on? So sensitive, man. So sensitive. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be, look, it's shit can do that to me now. You know, a year and month into sobriety. You know, I know, I know, I'm only scratching the surface now. Like you know, um, but I have put some some real distance between the person I was then and the person I am now. Um, but you know, it, it, it has to sort of come from within. You just have to. I know it's. It's easy to say, just have to do it. But it is as simple as just taking a few fucking seconds and having a breather and letting it pass. Um, because, you know, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I could be snapping and no one around me knows. <laughs> no one has an idea. And uh, they won't They won't probably have any idea of it until I let rip. And they're like, what the fuck's wrong with you? But I've been building on this thing for the past 20 minutes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's it. And when you when you start to ident when you start to identify them behaviours, that's recovery. You know that sort of way. Like putting down the drink is is hard. I, I, I wouldn't take that from any. Like it, it's really fucking tough putting down that drink and not using that as that coach that you have used for so many years. But identifying that behaviour that got you that way is real fucking recovery. Is is the real deal, man. You know it's now it's like putting out a fire before it starts, a devastating fire before it starts, you know, that sort of way. And when, you, when you're in a position to think more positively and more clearly and say, well, well if I do that, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Or if I do that, I'm going to jeopardise this. And why would I do this? I should be doing it that way. That's, that's the beauty of being sober. That, that's why when people say it's a superpower when you're sober, that is exactly what you've just summed up brilliantly is that self-control from going from being a person that had zero control to then suddenly understanding how you work. And then you can put your energy into places 
that are going to grow you rather than destroy yeah. you. Exactly, exactly. That and within that becomes the growth. Like I have a life now that is is packed, packed full of stuff that I love doing. Um, really is. You know, I don't have time to sit down and, and dwell. Um, but you do for a podcast. Always for you, Sean. Go man. I don't have time to sit down and dwell. And you know, sometimes you know, I'm in as I'm in the fellowship. I'm not, I don't go every day. I'm not a fucking. Um, I don't be quoting pages off the, the big book or our numbers or nothing like that. It's you know, it's what works for me, and that's it's my little corner of recovery. You know, sometimes you, you know you probably have an experience with that in yourself. Sometimes you, if you're not in the AA rooms every day, every minute of every fucking year, it's like oh, that's not real recovery, and it's not. Like, you know, people with all timers and stuff like that should really wrap their heads around. It. You know, I'm young. I have a hundred and one things to do throughout the day that keep me sober. That I have, I've been running from shit for years. Um, responsibilities, you know, running out on the kids, my partner. Um, I'm not giving them, t- like, the, a minute of, of my day. And now I am. You know, and now I am. And that's my recovery. Being so- available. You know? just, just just to pick up on the kids because i know plenty yeah. of people that i've met that have gone into addiction rehab into the rooms uh, who've got young kids and older yeah, kids yeah, yeah. how how's that changed from drinking and drugging and the relationship you had with them then and your own perception of your children to how that is now well i i have a relationship with them now you know um, in the past, I would say, I was drinking and drinking. I said, oh, you know, my kids, and, you know, they're an extension here. I love them. I, I do want for them. That's a bullshit. Bullshit. Like, I, I haven't got five minutes for them. Um, and I really didn't. And I'm ashamed to say it. I don't beat myself up over it anymore because I've, I've come a long way. But I didn't. They, I had no time for them. Um, and it, it just didn't, it didn't mesh with my day with the kids. I was my fault. My soul came sole purpose of getting sober was to get away from anything. And when I when I had to answer for getting away, go drinking. You know, I will show I'll show them, you know. Ask bringing me even my character to question, I'll show them. I'll go missing for four days and I'll prove to them that I don't need to like, you know what I mean? This yeah. is the fucked up way. Um but now now it's now it's a life. And now now it's like I'm, I know I'm doing right. You know, even when I'm doing wrong, I'm doing right <laughs> because I'm there. You know, no one gives you a book and a manual as a father or a parent and says, "This is do this and you won't go wrong." You'll fail sometimes miserably. Sometimes you'll snap or sometimes you'll let them away with something you shouldn't have. But you know, that's life. And just being there and being being available and just you know, if they need me, I'm there. And, and communicating with them, you know, in, in, in the early days when my eldest, my son, you know, he would come in and I'd be confronted from the week's drinking and um, been in work and, and, you know, coming down and facing a, a big massive bill at the end of the week from the previous week. Uh, he would ask me something about his homework or something like that and I just, you know, I wasn't arsed. I wasn't arsed, couldn't arse him up. Um, and I had no problem saying that, you know. 
uh, that's how emotion got through us. Um, and then he did when I got sober. He would ask. He would start because I was there, and he, he would. Uh, he wouldn't have to gauge my reaction to things. It would just come naturally to, to, to ask me a question. And now I nearly cried when he asked me something about his homework one day, and, and I gave him the answer because because I was there, and because you know that, that's how the wall had been broken down. That barrier, emotional barrier, had been broken down just by being there. It's, it's, it's funny isn't it the, the power of presence especially as a parent as well I'm, I've got no experience but I'm sort of more fully present for my niece and nephew yeah, who yeah, yeah. when I was drinking and using were just two kids that were sort of annoying me if I'm perfectly yeah. honest yeah, but, now, yeah. but now, now I love them to bits I quite happily chase them around the garden for four hours I'll exactly. be absolutely shattered but I've had a, a genuinely a good time with them yeah, oh, it, it, that, and that's it, you know, that's it. You know, you're giving them a chance to express themselves too. Um, you know, I, I didn't have much patience when I was drinking, if any. Um, and they wouldn't be able to argue with me because I would, I would just shout them down, you know. But now I'm, I'm in a much better place and I'm, I'm able to, you know, just watch them giving out to me. <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, you just see the little character budding in them and they're just growing, growing, growing. Every day kids do something that, uh, you know, give you a, a, a good shock to your system and say they're not going to be small for too much longer because, they, you know, they pick up on things so quick um, and they, they progress into, you know, into, into you know kids older kids older variations of kids you know it's it's crazy the, the character building that goes on in such a short period of time with them when they're allowed you know um, and I'm, I'm pretty free with them now you know what do you want to do I'm just thinking in the back of my mind what do you want to do please say you want to stay home you stay <laughs> <laughs> and you know if they want to do it that, that's cool it's win win if they want to go out and go and get an ice cream or do something together, you know, that's cool too. And I have no problem doing it. Whereas in the past, it used to be an ordeal for me because I'd be terrified of where I'd be going to, or, or what areas or what pubs I was at and doing something in, you know, if I had a row or if I'd done something stupid in a pub and something stupid in an area or, you know, got into a row with a lot of people or were they looking for me, you know, shit like that that you can't have your kids around. Um, no, I don't have that. So, so this this might be a bit of a personal question. Don't answer no, if you don't ahead. want to. But no, do do you think the trauma that you talked about? Do you think yeah. that has now stopped from you passing it down to your kids because yeah. of becoming oh, yeah. sober? Really? Oh yeah, really. Because uh, and I do. I do believe I broke the chain because my grandfather was an alcoholic. Um, yeah, he actually got sober twelve years before he died. Um, but he was a big drinker and he lost his. His family, you know, well, his, his family, his, his wife, my dad's mom, and she ran off to, to England with someone over there. And left my dad really woke up at, at, at seven years of age, you know, so that was trauma being passed to him, but he passed it to me. Um, and now I'm in a position where I, I don't have, I, I can't, I, I won't pass it to my kids, you know, and 
if something does come up, um, I'm able to identify with it and I know the way over. I know the fix to it. Um, and, and that's it. Yeah, look, I, I do believe that the, the chain has been broken because of how, how can it, how can it, um, how can I follow through? Like, it's, 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 I don't drink, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a program on my whole life, my whole outlook on life now is recovery and, and dealing with emotions the way I should be dealing with it, which unfortunately my grandfather and dad weren't able to do. You know, that's hard to way. Um, there's an awful lot of healing still going on. Like, you know, it, it, it's, there's, there's still some ground to be made up, you know, I'm not out of the woods yet, like, there's still trust and, and stuff there that I know has, has, like, you know, been really, really diminished over the years, over the way I carried on, you know, I was, always, I was a lost cause, you know, I, I was, I was, I wasn't far away from going myself, but to carry on, I was done. So do, do you think, um, I think one of the biggest things I was always told, that actions speak louder than words, so that sort of exactly. trust, that trust element, you have no control over, other than your actions, potentially. Presence. Yeah, presence. Presence. It's been there for people. Been able to bring me mom shopping, you know. Been able to be in a position to bring the kids out. Um, you know, not blowing a gasket because I'm, I'm, I'm running, I'm hiding stuff from my mom, you know. I'm living a, a double life. You know, it's, that's, that in itself becomes the trust catalyst. Do you know, that sort of way. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight, you know. I've I've made up some serious ground, and um, with with family members, and you know, there's trust there. Um, whether it's the same trust that uh, that I perceive it to be from them, their end, who knows? You know, that's out of my control. Like I can I can do to control that. You know, it's. That's up to them, you know, that sort of way. But all I can do is do what is do what comes naturally to me now, and that's living a, a life free from drink and drugs and trauma. You know, like people forget about that. It's it's the stuff that you know. So when people ask me, Craig, how the fuck do you do? How how have you stayed off the drink and the drugs for the past year? Um. And I say, well, you know, put it like this. If we wanted to go drinking, the last thing in the process is me picking up a drink. And to break that down would be, in my head, if we wanted to go drinking, I'm already there. You know, probably a day beforehand. Or maybe a couple of hours beforehand. Because of what way my thinking's going. Because I'm... You know, I'm in the zone, and we hear a song, and we go from the song to, you know, a, a daydream, and I might start causing, you know, an argument, I might do something, you know, well, you know yourself, you know, you're, you're already there before you've drank, you know, that sort of way. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they always, when I went to my meetings, is that you, you've already hit the fuck it button in your head. Um, and then it's just a matter of time before you go and do it. Sometimes it might not be actually drinking, but you can fill that yeah. void with overeating or doing something other. So you'll, you justify your own existence, but you're actually sort of across addiction um, to some extent, which is what they told yeah. us in rehab to look out for. So I've, I've always been very mindful of um, 
eating like two packets of family size M&Ms because I know that's me sort of just dealing with my emotions through food. But you know what? Sometimes I'm just like, at least drink, like eating two packets of M&Ms isn't going to make me run naked trying to do something I, I regret. <laughs> You probably won't. You'll never be naked, like if you keep eating two packets. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're layering up. You will. <laughs> yeah. No, but look, yeah, like that's that's the thing there. You know, it's you know, you know yourself after been out in a session for four or five days, you're not able to eat. Um, if when you're when you're out in a session and you're in that life, you're not able, you're not in a position to go for food. Um, Let, let's say, let's talk about because you're before and after photos. Um, yeah similar to mine i'm not as buff as you now but i will get oh, there don't you worry you. So, there's a compliment in there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but you you've looked like you've obviously lost a lot of weight and yeah sometimes people assume that when you're doing coke you yeah. are skinny like a supermodel but I, i've actually put the most amount of weight on because of my eating habits were so three four yeah. days a week but i would just personally i would just eat all the crap yeah how was how was that for you then? From so you were bigger, you've lost weight now. Just take us sort of through that journey a bit. Um, the weight loss alone. Like I'm a big, I'm a big cyclist, and you know, I've always I've done it. It was actually one of the things that my dad got me into because he seen the load I was going down. And um, when I was about fifteen or sixteen, and he said, Look, "You need to, you need to start doing something." What would you like doing? And then I think on the sports day, I actually won a, a, a cycling medal. <laughs> um, <laughs> A race. I actually got raced on my sister's bike, <laughs> girl's bike, and I fucking slaughtered everyone. Um, so I always had it in 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 the back of my mind that I was a keen cyclist, and my dad always says, you know, you can learn from the you want to. So I said, yeah, I'll go for cycling. Um, so it's always been there, but obviously, you know, with the drinking and the drug, and the bike was sold within a year. Um, you know, but as as I got older, you know, I always I always had it in the in the, the back of my mind that I was going to go back cycling. And I, and I wanted to pick up a road bike. Um, and I did. I did it about two years ago. And I was on and off. Of course, I was on and off in the session. And I cycled out to Hout, which is um, about 40 kilometers from where I live. And uh, I was bollocks now. <laughs> <laughs> I was purple. I had to stop off and get a fulfilled bar because I felt as if I was going to go into a coma, a diabetic coma, even though I don't have diabetes. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I know it's just fucked. And I was like, Jesus, you know, I'm really, really fit. And I'm only 28 or something like I was 21. And I was like, this is not right. You know what I mean? Um, and you know yourself, Instagram, all these diets and all these, you know, things out there. It's a constant in your face. You know, that sort of way. And... And my head was my head was still pretty nuts, and training was the only thing that could sort of ground me. But it was dangerous because it would it would release obviously the the hormones, the dopamine, and, and stuff like that, and it would it would say, "Well, you're better now," and I'd go drinking. That was exactly the same as me. So yeah. my drug yeah. use got worse, and I would have literally like my two best days were probably wet. Well, actually, no, it just got down to one good day, which was Wednesday. And I yeah. would manage to get to the gym on that day. And then I just feel like I could do whatever I wanted again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It really is. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I, that picture I'll cook around, it was the, it's the one in the, the orange boxer shorts that I'm wearing. Oh, actually, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I actually took that. Um, 
was after being heavy, heavy on the session. And my, my nose was killing me. My head was fried. When I would go to sleep, I would snore because my sinus was just so blocked up with stuff. And um, was so unfit, just like a fucking pig walking around. And I took that picture to see what I looked like. And I said, geez, I don't look that bad. You know, obviously, the, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the brain, you know, obviously just not connecting with reality. <laughs> And I just said, Jesus, I don't look that bad. And I went out that day. You know, that picture, when that, no, that orange, you know, the orange box is on the floor picture. Yeah. I actually went out on the piss that day. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I remember I bought a lot of healthy food and stuff like that. And I had it and I was like, Jesus, I feel great. And boom, I was off on the still within, within a couple of hours. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's funny, as, as, a, as an addict, you literally need zero excuses to do anything. And as soon as you eat like a protein bar, um, that's yeah, yeah. it. You, you, you can justify yeah. going out for a week. Exactly, exactly. You know, and that's the thing. It's just, and I think that stems from, you know, I feel good, I feel good. What do I connect this with? I connect this with being out with my mates and on the piss and on the stool. So I'm going to go for more because as addicts, that's what we do. You're not just happy having a protein shake and going to the gym. You want more. Even though it's, it's counterproductive, you still want more. Um, and that, and you know, that I battled with that uh, towards the end of me drinking. That's what I battled with, um, and I think that was the start of early recovery. It really was for me because it was. Um, I knew I wanted this life. I knew I wanted to stay clean. I knew I knew um, I wanted to stay sober. And this sort of the few weeks that I would have break, I, I really started to see a change in myself, and, and so did my partner, and so did the kids. Um, and then when I went out and went missing, it, it became so I became so fucked up when I would be out because I would feel so guilty because I had experienced a bit of normality and recovery, if you will, at home, unbeknownst to me that it was recovery. Um, but that just a bit of, a bit of normality at home, um, it, it it just it just became a battle when I was out drinking, and that's what put me off. Um, I just couldn't deal with it. My head would be fried. My head would be in between my legs. And, you know, I'd be around a few, a few people, a few arseholes, and they'd be like, oh, what's wrong with him? And they would think it'd be something that's Dave done, but it's not. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm going missing on my kids <laughs> for fucking three, about four days. Or, or I'll get lost another job. Um, and I had it all four weeks ago. Do you know so, what I mean? Like, yeah, so it sounded like you said there that you sort of were at home and you weren't using for a time. Yeah, yeah. And then that yeah. gave you the mini recovery, which yeah, yeah, a lot of people that go into the rooms or whether they're just not on the rooms and they get sober support elsewhere, like relapse is that sort of reflection on how well you've done sober. Yeah. And all it does is remind you of how much easier life is when you're sober. Exactly, exactly. There's not, like, I'm not going to sit here and say there's nothing wrong with relapse. You know, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's not fucking the way you should be doing things. But, you know, it has to happen. And it doesn't have to, like, obviously, I, I do feel sorry for people that did a couple of years sober and then they relapse. You know, that's devastating for anyone. As, and, and they, you know, obviously, they, they can get back on the horse. But in early days, when you're doing three, four weeks and boom, you're back out. Um, then two or three weeks that you've, you've went without drinking and doing drugs and not brought any shit to the door or any emotional crap up um, are, are a clear, like you said, a clear reminder of how 
great your life can be, you know? And as addicts and, and, and alcoholics and stuff, that's the shit you run from, you know? Because you're scared of losing it. And we talked about it before, you know, it's like, I'm going to get out of here before this all goes down the shit out because all this has happened to me before and I don't want this to happen to me again. So I'll just sit here in my, my trauma-based life and, and not put myself out there because I don't want to get hurt. Because as as addicts, that's the one thing we fear is just being hurt by other people. Yeah. We can deal with all we want to other people, I suppose, you know, when you're like that. But that's that's the what happens. And like, well, it was a big thing for me was that I, I don't want to have any of that good stuff in front of me because I'm going to lose it all. But underneath it all, then you're, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're daydreaming and thinking, Jesus, but would my life be better, you know? Maybe something bad won't happen. And the longer you stay off, stuff, and the more strength you put into your recovery, and the more frequent um, you're around, and the more trust you start building up, and, you know, the more distance you start putting between the last day of drinking and used, that's the, that's the fucking recovery. That's powerful. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't get any more in your face and more realistic than Jesus. You know, life is coming an awful lot more easier, and I don't feel as guilty as I once did. Yeah, and then, and then that in itself is a headache, all the guilt and shame of that you always have to carry around. So, just in terms of um, when you stopped drinking, what sort of reactions did you get from people that you were going out with? Um. <laughs> Do you know what, oh man, I, I had burnt an awful lot of relationships off with my behaviour, friendships and stuff off with my behaviour. No, no one wanted to be around me in any way because I was such a fucking nuisance, like, you know? Um, like, a, an awful lot of lads' girlfriends would be like, do not, don't go out with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he is bad news, you know? So they didn't need much sort of pushing, the, uh, pushing away from me. Well, look, it, it was, it was what it is, you know, it, it's, you know, there's, there's friends that, uh, that I obviously had to cut off, um, and I had to do that, I had to do that because, you know, what they would, they would bring up old feelings with me, you know, um, and the, the, the friends that I, when I, when I was open enough to tell them that I wasn't drinking, were like, killed. Keep doing what you're doing, but look, I, I just cut everything. I cut everyone off for the first couple of months until I uh, opened up my Craig's uh, recovery account, um, and that's when everyone really understood that. Like they always had seen me, sort of. Oh, he's not out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, will he be back soon? You know that sort of way. Yeah, and that would that would be a topic of conversation for you. I, you don't do this every weekend, so you're all right to do it now for the next three days. Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, they obviously didn't see the devastation that was going on at home. Well, how would how did it be? How was it perceived? It, it, look, some lads will will think you know you're doing something great. Some lads will take the piss over, and and some lads you know we uh, not approve it because it might force them to look at themselves. You know that's you know that sort of way. Um, you just have to you just have to pick one and go with it. You know. If you if you worry about what other, what other people think in early recovery or, or look for validation of other people in early recovery, you'll fail. Yeah, you know, that's a really really good point actually. Um, 
Because I think as addicts or just as people that might have bad relationships around alcohol, you generally overthink about what other people think. Of course, yeah. Um, Nine times out of ten, people literally don't give a shit. Everyone's got their own agenda to a certain extent. Um, 100%. Yeah. Look, you'd be surprised how much you don't fucking matter. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, You know, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's, I have a, I have a relatively easy. Like I've the kids there, and um, they take up so much of my time. I, I've something that I'm into, which is cycling. And um, I've always been into the gym, and thank God, like the fellowship saved my life. But exercise had a big part to play in saving my life too. You know, that's sort of way. Um, I could go and, and you know just throw myself into whether doing heavy weights or cutting down and stuff like that, and that would keep me focused. And then it will be the catalyst then for me to, well, I'm confident enough now this, doing this, I'll go and I'll do something else, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll chase this job down or, you know. So just to, just to paint a picture, because obviously yeah. what I do is I use fitness and nutrition as well as yeah. life coaching for clients. Um, yeah. Because the power of fitness and nutrition, especially in sobriety, is huge. And that's exactly what I'm promoting but just give, give a bit of a picture how did you get into fitness when you became sober what what were your sort of steps well I, well, I, as I, said, I was always in it i was always in around it um, i messed around with everything any drug i could take that would have an effect on me i took you know um, and i took steroids when i was when i was fucking 15 or something you know what i mean yeah. no idea of what you know the repercussions of it would do and not even taking them properly, just getting them a hundred euros worth of, you know, injecting into every artifice I could in yeah. my body. You know, and, and, and that's, that's, that's where it came from, you know, but I, I always, I always stayed trying. It was a big, it was a big thing in culture and, and still is now, I suppose, you know, to be big, to have the big arms, to have the, the big chest and, lifting this and I was always pretty strong I was, I was always fit and strong and um, I, I, love, I love eating you know that sort of way so you know the two of them they just mesh together greatly you know and so it, it's always been there in the background but it has obviously got progressively you know the epicenter of recovery for me do you know that sort of way um, because I get so much out of it and I'm doing it right this time no crap yeah. Um, it's and I'm incorporating too a bit of a bit of fitness and, and a bit of like strength and conditioning, and them to benefit me to be really strong cycling, you know. So I have all these things just meshing together, you know. I'm I'm uh, and I'm fucking thriving off. Like I'm I'm the lightest I've ever been. I'm, I'm like eighty four kilo, probably not after this morning. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, with cycling, you burn off like six hundred calories an hour. So you know, you really do need to look at the carbs and the calories. Um, so that, look, that's that's where I am. With it, it uh, thank God everything has just sort of come together in a, in, in a great deal of harmony for me with um, with with the, the training side of it and the, the fitness side of it. I'm not. I'll never cut out. You know. An old chocolate and, and, and a Chinese. It's you know, if, if that comes at a price to me abs, so be it. You know, <laughs> I don't care. You know, and that's and that's the great thing about you know, 
having a sort of peaceful, happy, free mind, if you will, is that you can you don't have to concentrate on shit like that. You know yourself, sometimes you're like Monday starts, I'm getting a diet. We're eating broccoli and, and, and chicken and rice now for the next three months. <laughs> and by Wednesday, you're like munching on the salted carrot, <laughs> galaxy, salted carrot, no, galaxies, like, and, and the, the chickadees and the, you know, the, the toasty sandwiches. But a little bit of, you know, life is just a, bit, a little bit of balance. You know, a, a bit of balance and a little bit of this, you know, and a little bit of that. Yeah, and exactly. It's a big thing. It's a big thing stopping drinking, you know. For for someone our age, you know, it's and really, I'm not gonna. Say, it's not fucking easy sometimes, you know. Sometimes you're like, fuck, like, why, why me? Why, why am I cutting myself out of this? You know, why, like, why can't I just have three or four fucking points of the lads and, and go home? You know, they, they, those, they just get dark days like that, and you're like, you know, maybe I'm fixed, and you know, I'm all right. And you just have to remind yourself that you know you're not. <laughs> Yeah, you're not. You're not. You're not like everyone else. You you have an allergic reaction. You have something in you that won't that won't let you come home after three points, three days maybe. You know that sort of way. And are you willing to jeopardize everything you've made, your brand new life that you've made out for yourself? Are you willing to jeopardize all that to 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 even just see if you can do that? You know? Yeah. No. You know, you just have to ground yourself. It, it, it does get hard, and it does get tough, and it's it it's a it's a process. You know, it's a process where you're 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 you can battle with yourself some ways. And, but thankfully enough, you, you incorporate enough positivity and enough groundwork into your life where you you have that to fall back on. You know, you've accomplishments. You know, a, a day away from the drink is a, is an accomplishment. You know. I know you, you, have, you know you obviously had the dreams like the, the, the I'm back drinking dreams <laughs> I'm fucking using again dreams and it's like oh, and you wake up and you're like thank fuck that yeah. was just a dream you, you, <laughs> you, know? you know what I think it's actually a good thing to have because you're releasing that same sort of feeling in a dream than it yeah. actually playing out during your day yeah 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 like it's so scary isn't it it's, it's, really it's so real some of them as well i used to have oh. them every three days after i came out of rehab it was every three days or so and but but now i have them like once once or twice a year i think so oh really yeah cool. thank god or after wow. watching Ga- gangs of london i was watching gangs of london and then somehow yeah. that triggered me into some drugs well, that's the thing. I can't watch anything like that. I can't watch like the business or, <laughs> you know, uh, Wolf of Wall Street or. Oh, Wolf like of Wall Street is terrible. They had that in <laughs> rehab, so I'm there in a drug addiction <laughs> unit watching <laughs> Wolf on Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, may look maybe in a few years I get a bit stronger and I'll be able to cope with that. They're little triggers for me, you know. Um, that was that was the sort of ego, pistical maniac that I was fuck him you know and I, I watched The Sopranos and I, I like my mentor was Tony Soprano and he's a sociopath like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 know, it's a good point though because that lifestyle I was the same ego driven yeah. you're always wanting more of everything yeah yeah and thinking you can speak to people a certain way and not have repercussions of it and you know uh, it's it's that's the thing like you, you your self will run wild. Like if, if if I was to go off my first talk every time, I'd be fucked. I'd be back drinking tomorrow. 
I have to stop. I have to analyze things. I have to assess things. I have to see what warrants a reaction and what doesn't. Do you know that sort of way? Um, but like, like doing what you're doing is what keeps us sober. Um, what I'm doing and getting the, the message out there to the, to the kids and to the young lads and, and even young ones. Um, that if they do fuck around with sessions and drink and drugs and stuff like that, you know, you will pay a price. You know, if I had one thing to ask them, would be to, where would you see yourself in, in 20, 30 years? Still, still using and, and, and still doing this life. You think because it does, it doesn't stop. No, if you think there's nothing wrong with it, it's not going to stop. That, that, that's a good point because the visualization that people have when they are in that cycle of going to the pub, drinking and using, is that they don't actually have a visualization. So for me, when, when I when I was 28, I was at my worst. Is because I literally just didn't, I didn't know who I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, yeah, I'm the same. I was the same. You know, I had a, I had an idea of who I wanted to be, but that could change dramatically five or six times throughout one week. You know, um, and with each person I could talk to, I would be a different person. You know, you know, we always talk about the various masks that we wear and the, the versions of ourselves we put out to people that we think that that's the version that they want us to be. You know, um, and you do that with so many people. I I did for years. And now finally being me, the best the best version of anything I can be is me. And have people be receptive to me by just being me. I'm not doing a poem here, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's the it's the most fucking powerful thing I could I can ever you know, it's 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 the most powerful thing that I've got. Out of recovery, it, being comfortable in your own skin, yeah, I will exactly. agree with you on that. Is the one yeah. thing that I hadn't had for 33 years, yeah, yeah. and that's it. Like, saying so much time wasted, like, you know. And um, but like, well, I have made so many friends and I've grown so you know, emotionally, spiritually, and I've grown up. I'm, I'm at a stage where I can say, you know, I remember one guy said to me. Years ago, we were out. We were out in a session. I was down over the garden, and uh, a, a builder was brought in to, to build a wall in, in the garden that we were doing. And it was Freud. It was a Saturday actually, and we were getting paid you know, hundred quid per day. Or whatever. And you know, I was. I'm going to the pub with this one. You know what I mean? That's that's. I'm not even getting changed out of these clothes. That's what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? And I'm egging me mate on. He doesn't need much fucking arm twist. And he's like, okay, yeah, just the one. I'm like, right, I have him. He's coming. And I said it to the building. He says, yeah, yeah, I'll go for a few points. And I sort of looked at him. And he says, a few points. And he says, yeah, I'll go for a few points. And we were, we all, we went for a few points. And obviously, me and my mate had the bag. And we were in the toilets. And then I was just sitting there. And I saw the show. She went the bag. And I was like, you know, do you make an argument? And he was like, no. He says, like, I left all that shit in my panties. So now he says, I don't do that. He says, I'm going to have a few points in my home. He says, I have to. He says, um, you know, to this, and I, I know he was still drinking, but he was able to go home. But that stuck with me for years. That stuck with me and still does. That he said, he was able to come around and say, you know what, now I left that in my panties. And now I'm in the position where I can say that. And I always used to say that, Sean, when he was coming up to a birthday, he was like, this is my last birthday. You know, and you know, two hours later, in bits on drinking drugs. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and and 
you know, that's it's it's just a real validation that I have myself that I'm able to say, no, do you know what? I left that back in back in um, in the fucking past where it belongs, but in within my twenties, you know. Um, and thank God I'm not going to be the forty-five-year-old sitting on the bar, you know, going in and out to the toilet. I will not be that man. You know, I won't be my dad. Um, and my son won't be in a position where he's he's taking um, life tips from someone like that. You know, me. He'll be uh, watching his dad pick up a gold medal for Ireland in the next cycling TT. <laughs> I'm climbing the ladder in Strava. Do you hear that? Cycling yeah. Ireland. I'm climbing the ladder in Strava. <laughs> and I'm walking out to make a, a difference next year. I'll oh, tell you. you what, it's so important and it's such a good thing that comes from sobriety is that you're doing this now. Um, yeah. And people, when they get to certain ages, they think, oh, I can never do this. I can never do that. It's such a mentality to think that way. You can do anything you want at whatever age you want, as long as you have the right mindset. Look, man, you will never reach your full potential. You will never know your full potential. You keep putting blocks in front of you and ceilings above your head. The sky is the limit, even further than that, you know. I am too old to be cycling on the Tour de France, but it's not going to stop me trying. Like you know, in that sort of way, I'm I'm I have a uh, like you know a born and hunger and ambition inside me to be the best I can, and I get that out of each training session and and each day I spend with my family and each day I stay sober. It's a it's a real safety blanket to have that for for addicts that we never had to always be like, well, it's a mommy on here. You know, being sober, even if when I'm at my worst days, um, and my head is fried, and I'm like, fuck this and fuck that, you know, and I'm like, he's doing better than me, she's doing better than me, and uh, I say, yeah, but I'm sober. I'm sober. Yeah. I'm a I'm sober. I haven't had a drink. And that's, you know, if everything crumbles down around me, I still hold on to that, you know? Amazing. And so, right, let, let's try and summarise now. So, okay, what, we, we'll try because I know I know I'm a bit hard to handle when I bounce around like that. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! It's, it's brilliant. Like this is the whole point of it is just to see what comes up and just have a conversation because yeah. we we've actually already recorded this, but because the sound quality <laughs> wasn't that good, and you know Sean what, we made a balls of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. My my bad. But funny enough, we've actually spoken about completely different things to what we spoke yeah, about in the original it's one. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and that just goes to show there's so many layers to sobriety and pasts yeah. and stuff that you yeah. can bounce around and you can find stuff. We could probably do a five-hour call. Oh, that's, easy, that's the depth easy. of stuff. That's the thing. But like, for someone that was so closed off and that didn't want to talk about any, himself to anyone else, now you won't get me to shut up, like you know that's sort of way. <laughs> I'm um, trying because I'm proud. <laughs> I'm proud, and I'm fucking dead proud of where I've come from and what I'm doing. For someone that has never had an ounce of pride in their life, and never had an ounce of, you know, feeling like they've done something right to, to have the tables torn to be, you know, to be really feeling like they're making a change and and a real having a real impact on, on people's lives, not even people that are close to me, people that are getting in touch with me through the recovery page and stuff like that. You know, people from all over the world, like, look at me and you talking now, like, you know? Um, oh, and I know yeah. what I'm talking about. 
we, we, I think we could both probably agree that about three years ago, if we ever said, if we met in a pub in Dublin, we were doing oh, some yeah. coke in the loo, we, we wouldn't have turned oh, we to each other and said, oh, we'll be talking about emotions and traumas and stuff on a, <laughs> on a sober heroes podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have I hugged you and, and been your best friend for 12 hours and then I would have blocked you. <laughs> I never spoke to you again because I would have been reminded of, of how much of an arsehole I was that night, you know, because that's all I'd done for like 10 years was go out, make an idiot of myself and then run. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just to go back a bit just so for like yeah, some yeah. tips to people like what were your okay. what were your like top three things to get you sober so are you going to the rooms yeah, etc right obviously and you know i'm not i'm not an aa poster boy um, and but it did help you know um, i'm not i'm not downplaying my affiliation or my, you know my love for aa um, but it did it was the first thing that got me sober you know, um, just being around people, like-minded people, like that, is is the pushing direction I need. Um, everyone's different, you know. So it was the AA. It was it was um, training, training, and um, workout. Like exercise is one of the most underutilized forms of anti-depression out there, and. Um, and it, it, it's, it, it changes your whole life. It really does. You know, from being a size 38 lardash trying to jump into a pair of jeans and run out the door and go to the pub to being a fine striking 32 waist. <laughs> 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 um, you know, noticing that physical change in yourself and being able to see it looking back at you in the mirror and putting put it solely down to being sober and, and, and being clean from, from drinking drugs is is one of the things that really really helped me. Do you know, and I can't advocate it anymore. Even if it's just you know, if it's if someone if someone you know is struggling and you know they're into doing a bit of training and they're using and their stuff like that, bring them along for a training session um, and get them talking because that's what a guy done for me in uh, early recovery. You now I did dodge him some because when I, I went back out. And he'd be ringing me to go to the gym and I wouldn't answer. And he knew exactly what was after going on, you yeah. know, because I couldn't face him. And uh, he actually brought me to a meeting there a while ago and I had this conversation about how he used to dodge him and all. And he says, well, that's, you just you need to find your own way. And he never, never pushed anything on me. You know, he gave me a few tips. But more importantly, he, he, he identified with my behavior. And when someone's looking back at you and, and nodding their head and like what me and you are doing now knowing exactly what we're talking about and exactly the highs and lows and the emotional fuckery that we play with ourselves through addiction when someone's able to say yeah i know exactly what you're talking about that takes a weight off your shoulders it really does because you're not by yourself anymore yeah and i'd, I'd, I'd just second that when i first went to the rooms that was the single thing I was most shocked by because I had all these things in my head that I'd seen in films and TV shows, etc. And I was like, I don't really want to go into a group of weirdos that are into God <laughs> and hold hands or whatever. But honestly, for my own mental clarity, that's the most clear mentally I've ever been when I was going uh, once or twice a week. Um, I won 10 golf tournaments in a year. 
And that was all down to the fact that I was, I'm adamant, it was because I was going to the rooms and there was no mental clutter. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And like I said, like when I got sober, it wasn't too many, like there wasn't any one significant event that made me get sober. It was just purely down to the fact that I had got a claim, we had went, we had spent all the money, we were due to go away as a family, we had spent all, we'd spent all the money. Um, and I was on the bones in the arse for this holiday and I needed a few weeks to stick with that book and, uh, and build up some money in order to get away and bring the kids away. And I was four weeks over, about four weeks over, and I was by the pill. And I just, you know, I was chilling out, I, you know, my mind was cleared and, you know, the kids were enjoying themselves and all that. And I, was, I needed something to read. And I said, okay, you know what, why don't I download the, um, the PDF of the, the big book, The Alcoholics and Alcoholics Weekly. And I did, and then I couldn't put it down. So, sorry, can, can you can actually download yeah. the PDF? Oh, yeah, 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 you can you just oh, download okay. Alcoholics and Alcoholics. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, that's it's, quite the, cool. it's the most simplest thing to do, man. Um, if I can do it, anyone can do it, trust me. Uh, you know, just download the PDF and... It's in big, huge writing, you know, for dummies like myself <laughs> that might that might need us to read one page five times, you know, that sort of way. But it, like, this book is written over what, 60, 70 years ago, um, and it's the same emotional and it's the same identification you will get as 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 an alcoholic today, um, and it'll hit you. You, you might read it once or twice, it doesn't make any sense to you. And we go back at it, tour time makes sense, might make sense to you. Thankfully, for me, reading it the first time, I was able to say, well, All these questions they're asking me to confirm I'm an alcoholic, I'm answering correctly, or incorrectly, whatever way you want to put it. Yeah. Um, it it's, and, and that's, that's it. And that just took me from there down to actually the place I was working there was a guy he was two and a half years sober um, and there was another guy in, in the job I was working in that was a mad alcoholic um, I spent the time around both of them <laughs> you know what I mean I went to the piss with your man who was an alcoholic but I also when I got sober I managed to chat to your man that was sober and he said he went through the rooms and then I met up with a, with a guy um, a good friend of mine and he was, he was a youth outreach worker in, in in the community, um, that was sober. I don't, I don't did I, did I know he was sober. I don't know if I knew he was so, he was in there. But I walked and I actually I actually drove by his house, and then I seen him down in the meetings that night. He he came out the door and I just went, oh shit! And he says, oh there you are. He says, I always knew you were going to be coming down here. <laughs> oh brilliant. Uh, and we're really close today. He gets on at me, you know, if, if, if I'm not doing enough meetings. And he's right, because, you know, I do see a change in myself when I don't do enough meetings. Um, you know, I, I won't do one every week. Um, maybe I should, but if, as far as I know, there's no quota on how many meetings you should be doing to stay sober, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's it's crazy, you know, he, we had a chat and I, I went off with him. You know, because sometimes... You know, when you're in early recovery, you're like, give me everything. Or in AI, you're like, give me fucking, I'll do this, I'll do that, because you're keen, you know, and you have this thing inside you, you're like, I'm not letting this go, you know. The way I'm feeling now, I don't want to stop feeling like this. So you're like, I'll do this, and you're reading books, 
But then you're reading like the way the American way of, of doing AA is, which is come in, start doing the work straight away, get yourself confirmed, start doing steps straight away. And then there's the European model, which is sometimes like, you know, come in, but, you know, don't touch any steps. Don't run, just sit here and and listen to the stories. And, you know, it takes somewhere in like, it's Norway or somewhere, you have to be two years sober to chair me. I'm not, I'm, I'm, Probably could be wrong on this, but it's you know you know what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some some uh, like fucking loopholes with the gold show, um, and each AA some like as for for such a big organisation the way it is, um, there's so many different ways it's done. And for someone in early recovery like I was a year ago, then like what fuck, what am I supposed to be doing here? Um, you know because you're flying and you don't want that sort of to get in the way of it, but which like you're listening say, to the podcast, which the, the Spotify thing that I was listening to, the AA um, podcast on Spotify, and I'm listening to that, and it's like, get in, start doing this, start doing this, and then I go down to my home group, and it's like, no, 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 that's not the way to do it. And then you're like, well, you know, because you're already at a stage where you're like, I don't fucking trust anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, you, that's you're, true. You're, you're, yeah, you're in a mentality where you're like, I don't trust anyone. Like, you know, and I'm getting told this, that I'm doing it this way, and I'm getting told doing it that way. And usually, when I'm getting told things like that, I'm going to do it my way. You know what I mean? Because I don't trust you. So, yeah. you know, why would I? I know and that's, that's the way I've always done things. So, you know, a little bit of that and a little bit of this, you know, and a little bit of your own, you know, your own inhibition. You, you, you make it work for yourself. You will. You know, um, that that's the way it is, you know. There's, there's, I'm grateful for the, the friends that I picked up in AA and recovery. I really am. Um, but every one of our recoveries is different, you know, every one of our stories is different. And you really, you know, you put your big boy pants on and you think it out and you start, you do some, start doing some work for yourself. You start yeah. doing some work for yourself. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the most important point out of it. Like, the, it doesn't really matter what you do, but you just have to do something, whether that's an AA meeting or a sober meetup or just following people on Instagram, until you take those sort of accountability steps to want to live a better life for yourself, you're you're just going to sit in the same cycle. Like I've done it, you've done it, every person I've spoken to on every podcast has done it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, a big time. But that, like, you know, this, I know this program's centered around my own support. I know there's young lads out there struggling. Um, I know I've helped a few. You know, a few lads in my area have gotten touch with me, and, and you know I have inspired people. Do you know that sort of way? Um, and they're they're on their own two feet now, and you know they're doing it, which is fucking powerful. To know that you're playing a part in that um, is amazing, and they they'll they'll figure out their own recovery for themselves. Taking a little bit of recovery here, there, and everywhere, but uh, you know yourself, Sean. Like it's once it recovery and, and and you know being sober is in your mind. Your ears are open to that stuff. The old shit, you know, the old chat with friends doesn't really contribute to your life anymore. You know, it's your ears are open to recovery. You know, you're looking at recovery podcasts instead of, you know. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, that's, you're, you're starting to condition yourself. You're, you're, you know, it's a rebirth. You're, you're conditioning yourself now to be, you know, 
this is your calling, if you will. You know what? That's a really good point you make. It's a mindset shift. So for me, I went from being like one extreme to the other, went from being so self-negative towards myself and the groups of people weren't helping me in any shape or form to going through recovery where it teaches you about positivity and self-love, self-care. And now I'm at the other end where I sort of, similar way to you, I help people through transformations, etc. And that yeah. just sort of inspires me to keep going and keep learning, etc. And it's a sort of oh, self-fulfilling oh. cycle. Well, that, that exactly because each person you talk to obviously has a different story. But also, you know, we trigger off something in your own mind, you know, and you might be able to deal with something that has you haven't been able to deal with because, you know, this chapter is two weeks old, but that's going through all these different roller coaster emotions is able to bring up you, you know, um, and and. You know, lads that have gotten in touch with me now, or no, no, sorry, lads that I got have got were in touch with me when, when like I was I was early recovery, and they were like a couple of weeks sober, um, and they were asking me for advice. I am seeing their stories, you know, and you know, on Instagram and stuff like that, and you know their own little positive thoughts and messages and, and reflections that they're putting out, and now it's helping me. You know, and that's that's the way that's what we do in the, in this community of ours. We all help each other, and there's no bollocks. You know, it's not like the session meet where you have to be guarded and and you know to watch what you say and stuff like that. No, we're all on the same page here. You know, and, and no one's better than each other. You know, if we don't identify with it. We we sure you know. We sure we'll find out the answer for you. You know what I mean? Or we'll, you will put something in the right direction for you. You know, it's and that's that's the way it is. It's just good, honest recovery, rehabilitation, and help that we have amongst this recovery community. Like, you know, it's it's powerful being able to be in contact with lads that and and and, and lasses that are going through the same stuff as us. Like, you know. Yeah, and and it is a good point that there are females as well in yeah, the recovery I circles. I, 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 I know this is a male sobriety podcast, but it, it's, <laughs> it's it's an important part as well um, to have that sort yeah. of dynamics in relationships because I think coming from a sort of lag culture through drinking and using your relationships with <laughs> women might be yeah. different. Oh, mine well, definitely was different. Yeah, well, that, that's that's the thing now. Like everyone wants, to, like you know, UFC and fucking weights and things like that has sort of put this version of male, alpha male, you know, into into these young lads today. Um, you know, who who has the best fucking Gucci runners or who has the the dearest Tom Ireland jacket and stuff like that? No, I'm not knocking that stuff. I'd love to be able to afford that stuff myself. Um, but it's 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 just it's that generation and it's that sort of social circle where some cunt might be struggling. Sorry, I dropped the C bomb there. I probably shouldn't have. Fine, it's life. Getting too used to these, you know. I hope this one goes to plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's you know somewhere some poor young lads probably struggling in amongst that, you know, um. And what's he going to do if he can't fit in by getting the deer jacket and the deer runners? Um, maybe he'll fit in by, you know, taking you know, the more drugs and, and drinking. Maybe that's where he'll fit in. Maybe that's where he'll aspire. Do you know that sort of way? 
Yeah. And, and that's the chap that's going to be struggling. Or, you know, are, are lads using these things as, 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 as sort of like material things to, to, to show that they're not struggling when they really are? Do you know that sort of way? Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it. Like, you know, and amongst that, there's, there's, a, there's a collection of people struggling. You know, there's lads that don't want to be in them circles that are. That are, are just there by matter of fact, you know, just by whatever area they live in. And, um, you know, I sometimes found myself in circles that I didn't want to be in. You know, agreeing with people that I shouldn't be agreeing with. Um, going against my very nature of the principles that I have. I didn't feel I had anything to do with And that was more of a uh, more of a head fuckery than nothing else, you know? Because you're losing parts of yourself. You're losing parts of your, your makeup, your, your, you know, your, the person who, who you are. There's no, there's no, there's no sort of, you know, there's no tablet for that or, or quick fix for that, a, a broken soul. Do you know that sort of way? Yeah, but it's, it's all that sense of self. Trying to rediscover your sense of self when you're sober is a beautiful thing because you just don't take shit from things that you might not agree with. Ah. Because you know that you're clear in your own mind and you've yeah. built up your own personality again rather than this drink and drug yeah. pers- persona. Yeah, and you know yourself, isn't it? It's really hard to sit there and, and probably not open your mouth, you know what I mean? Sometimes when you when people are starting to you know, talk and you know, in the past you'd be just nodding your head and going along with it. And then, you know, when you're starting in a position where you're saying, oh, actually, I don't agree with that. Um, and, you know, you're as polite as you can be about, look, I'm not stepping on any toes, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's, it, you know yourself when you're being shifted off your your natural energy, do you know, that sort of way. It's, 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 not, it's not nice. It's not a nice feeling to be sort of, be shifted off who you, who you really are. And that, the outcome of that is, you know, is a disagreement, you know. And, and that's, that's just what we are. And that's just who you are. And if more people like that, well, then maybe more people would be, you know, as honest as they can with each other, you know, that's yeah. it's, it's, it's a good point to highlight, actually. When, we, when you talk in terms of energy, you become so in tune with your energy. Like, as humans, we only have one energy. And if it's being distracted in different areas, you then sort of start losing your way a bit. But when you're in control of where your energy is directed, that's when you start making real progress to the, towards the things that you really want to do. Um, Big and that's Big really one. powerful. It is. It is. And it's, you know, there's a fine line between being uh, an advocate of, of recovery and, and, and sobriety and just being a fucking loudmouth. You know, that sort of way. Yeah. There, there really is, you know, and each person is going to have their own version of it. But, you know, if you've been there and you've lived it, it doesn't matter how long you were doing it for or, you know, whether you went to jail and you found recovery or whether you, you know, you done something really horrible and then found recovery or you were just drinking that bit too much on the weekends and you didn't cause anything, but you, you, you found recovery. That's, that's just it, you know. Recovery and sobriety is, is for the person that feels themselves that they're struggling and they don't want that money. Who am I or who are you to, to call anyone out on their, you know, 
their severity of, of their drinking and their drugging. You know, that's how the way recovery is recovery. Yeah. That's, I thought, that's, just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, Craig, thank you very much. Now, this is the second hour that we've done together. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm amazed at how we've, we've talked about everything yeah. completely different to what we did in the first hour. So I feel like I could do a whole podcast series, just me and you. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna be like Joe Rogan, man. We're gonna have like four or six hours of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, thank you, man. So your Instagram handle is uh, is Craig's underscore recovery. Um, look, I don't put something every day. Um, my following and, and, and posts are pretty small and stuff like that. I keep it basic, you know. Um, if, if I'm going for a walk or you know my head's clear or if my head's messed up one day I'll put up a picture you know or I'll put up a quote or something and I'll, I'll try elaborate on that quote or, or that picture and to the best of my ability and just show how I deal with it in recovery um, so you know you'll see a couple of more conferences you might see a few gold, gold medals next year I'm not too sure yeah let's do but, it uh, look it's 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 pretty basic but it's honest it's real and um, it's it's someone that has come from the session life if you will uh, who was the life and soul of the party who was eventually um, resorted back to his, his mum's house drinking by himself bottles of vodka bags of coke um, no one around them and, and slipping into a, a manic hole of, of depression and stuff like that. Um, and, and that's it. That, it that's, that's where it's brought me, you know. And I'm in a position where I can um, get that message out there and you know, try to reach people that are in that position or, or find themselves likely to be in that position, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, inspiring story, and I'm sure if anyone listens to this, then they'll definitely relate. Our star stories are quite similar, so even if no one else relates, at least I've enjoyed this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant, right? Thanks very much, Craig. And that, Cheers, man. Um, yeah, and that's the end of another episode of Sober Heroes. Thank you. Thanks much, brother.